Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. Is it possible to reinvent blue-collar jobs in America to make them more lucrative, more engaging? You're about to hear from one scholar who's been working on a plan to do just that. Because even in an economy that's been on the upswing for several years, it sometimes feels like in the tug-of-war between corporations and workers, corporations are winning. Many workers are seeing their wages just keep pace with inflation, or not even. Politicians talk sometimes about bringing back good factory jobs, and there are some. But lots of factories now rely heavily on robots, and lots of factories have moved overseas. Economist Dennis Campbell says blue-collar workers need a new blueprint for the future, and he's co-authored a plan to make that happen. Campbell cites a company in Milwaukee called Gardner Denver. It makes industrial equipment. And it tried an interesting experiment, giving blue-collar workers something that's usually just given to those in the corporate suites. And they have, you know, for the first time uh, for many of these workers right on the production floor uh, have actually given them stock ownership uh, in, in the firm. And so really what that does is it signals that we're all in this together. Campbell worked at the Federal Reserve, and he's now a professor of business administration at Harvard Business School. He notes that we're in a transitional moment, and many companies have kind of dropped the ball. But why, if you're an executive, should you give stock to people on the factory floor or to workers in a chain restaurant or to flight attendants? Well, go back to Gardner Denver for a minute. There are certain aspects of business that the company wants to get better at, more efficient at. And it helps to have every brain focused on strengthening those areas, not just the brains in the corporate suites. Those workers that are sitting, you know, on the production floor, that are sitting in purchasing, that are sitting there in accounts receivable, they can find ways to kind of manage that. And if they all do that collectively, that will add up to a value for the firm as a whole. And then they all share in that. They're all in that together. And I think that sends a really powerful signal and they're having some great results there. Indeed, it's not just Gardner Denver, which is owned by a company called KKR that's sharing profits. It's Procter & Gamble, Southwest Airlines, Chobani, the yogurt maker, and other companies. And it's not just about sharing profits, says Dennis Campbell. It's about sharing with workers how the company works and sharing responsibility for new ideas and for innovation. Research has shown over and over again that all this sharing pays off for companies. On average, they just make more money, which is something Campbell pointed out in the Harvard Business Review earlier this year. But he says when he sits in a room chatting with CEOs and they go through the benefits of doing this kind of sharing, he also hears the hesitations. You know, can I trust the employees to do the right thing? It's that if I give them power, I lose it. Um, You know, so you do see that. So this is where I'm saying it takes courage to do this. And I do think that because what we're outlining really is about systemic changes at the organizational level, you really need the top leader. You really need the CEO you know, doing these sorts of things. I mean, again, I'll go back to the Gardner Denver example, right? You have KKR, the owner, really kind of driving that process, selecting the right CEO, the CEO, uh, then um, you know, really driving this whole thing throughout the organization. I think you really need that kind of level of leadership to make this work. Why would a CEO or a CFO or, you know, anybody sort of at the top that was thinking about um, sharing profit at the end of the year, thinking about giving out stock options, why would they want to give it to people on the factory floor, to people cutting hair at supercuts? Like, why would you want to do that if you're not doing it now and you can keep that many more, you know, shares of stock for yourself? Because, you know, if you, I think the, the mindset needs to shift from, um, 
you know, how big is our piece of the pie to making the pie bigger for everyone? And I think that's the idea here is that if you share in the rewards, it actually, and people can see the connection between their work and overall rewards, that productivity actually goes up, that performance goes up, the pie gets bigger for everybody. And so I think that that's really the value proposition in all of this. So sort of beyond the monetary aspects of like having stock in the company and maybe even beyond the idea of like understanding how the company works. Are we talking also here about in some measure giving people more control over their jobs and over their lives? Uh, Absolutely. I think that's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a big deal. In fact, I don't want, I definitely wouldn't want listeners to walk away thinking this is really just about money, actually. And in fact, um, I'll give you an example of a large Swedish bank that I've done some work with um, called Handelsbanken. This is a bank that actually uh, operates with no bonuses at all. So no nobody in the company gets bonuses, including the CEO. Which um, is weird for a bank, right? Very weird for a okay. bank. And by the way, they expanded in very successfully into the UK, which um, you know some people might think, oh, it's Sweden. You know, you can do that there. But they've expanded into the UK, which has a very strong banking bonus type culture, and they've done extremely well there. What's interesting about them is that um, you know they have no short term bonuses at all, and they um, have almost complete empowerment of branch managers. They can make loans to anybody they want based on on, on any terms they want, based on their judgment about the people in the local community. And, you know, you look at all that and you think this is a recipe for disaster in banking, right? No incentives and uh, lots of empowerment, lots of risk. They're the, um, you know, they've consistently had higher profitability than their peers every single year for decades, at least 50 years at this point, literally every single year. They have the lowest default rates among their peers. They've expanded into countries where there's strong bonus cultures and they do just as well there. And what's interesting about them is they have many of the elements that we outline in the article. And so no short-term bonuses, but they have very long-term profit sharing. Profit sharing meaning that if the company as a whole meets its goal of having return on equity greater than peers, profitability better than peers, everybody shares Everybody shares in gets a share in the profit of the company. But you have to hold that share until you're 63. So really? very, until very long term. Okay. And then that piece of ownership-like incentives, right? The long-term ownership, again, is really just a signal that we're all in this together, that if you do all this, uh, we'll all share in the rewards at the end of the day. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking with Dennis Campbell. He's a professor of business administration at Harvard Business School. We're talking about how sharing profits with employees can make companies more productive. How much does it cost companies to share some of their profits? Because I feel like that's where the... Uh, resistance kicks in. So, I mean, you know, one way to look at it, I, I know this is a little controversial, but one way to look at it is it's free in a sense, which is that, look, if, if employees are actually improving pros, profits, they're actually, this is leading them to actually, um, you know, find innovations, be more creative in their work, expend more effort, become more productive. That profit goes up, they, you know, share and they share in that you're still getting, you're still getting, um, you know, a share of something more than you would have had before. And so I think, um, you know, one way to look at that, it's free if you, if you put all of the innovations that we're talking about in the article into place. If we believe productivity, profitability will increase, we you know, think the research supports that that ultimately that's coming from the employees. And so if you're sharing some small portion of that with them and that's actually leading to those gains, I think um, you know, one, way to, one way to look at it is that it doesn't cost much at all. 
we've talked to some degree about giving stock, which is, like I said, done with white collar employees all the time, kind of depends a little bit on the industry, but it's done widely. Um, And if you extend that to blue collar employees, I just wonder, you know, somebody gets a lot of stock from one company, but let's say they don't have a lot of other stock and then the company doesn't do well. Um, Do you worry about that? Do you think like maybe an old fashioned pension is the way to go or just a higher salary is the way to go instead of I mean, the other thing is at the moment that the stock doesn't do well, that is also the moment when they're most likely to lose their job potentially. And so they have all this money bound up with this one company. So I think there's a bunch of things to unpack there. One of them is that, you know, we might not be talking here about having the vast majority of their pay tied up in this. In fact, I think when you kind of create these kinds of incentives, it doesn't need to be the majority of the pay. In fact, it shouldn't be that that at the end of the day, you don't want to impose too much risk on these on these employees at this level. So I think that that's one thing to think about and that that normally we would not see if you're going to go that far and it's going to be stock ownership, that there's still going to be a fixed salary. There's still going to be all those okay. things. So that, it sounds like yes. you're thinking maybe 10, 20 percent of pay, like a, a yeah, smaller so amount. Some, something, on, something on that order. Or it could be a little more, but something on that sort of order. So I think that's one is you don't want to impose too much risk. The other is I think that you know this is where it's important to do the other part of what we're proposing, which is do the hard work in creating the transparency in the organization and the learning environment so that employees actually see the connection between what they do and the results. Because if you don't, then this can be completely demotivating. And this is exactly where it's a problem if you just focus on the incentive piece of this, right? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, if if the case you propose happens and, and stock price goes down, employees think, like, why am I getting punished for something that I didn't create? You right, know, And, and I right. think that getting them to really see the connection between their results, their their performance, and what's happening in the broader picture, I think that's really important if you want to make this work. Are there people like CEOs, political leaders, uh, we certainly have seen a lot of, in the last few years, you know, action in the streets, uh, strikes by, you know, I think about teachers. Um, are there people you think who could get on a soapbox and say, we need a different uh, mold for blue collar work? We need a different contract with workers than what we've seen developing over the past generation. You know, my perspective on this is that it's not likely to happen through the political process. In fact, this is kind of where... Um, you know, one of the motivations for writing this article and really starting to look into the space more, I think that real change is going to come when business leaders see the benefits of these approaches, start to adopt them widely, when investors start to see the value like what KKR is doing, when you start to see the value in this and capital starts to go to these sorts of uh, companies that just in the way that you see a lot of, um, you know, companies undertaking environmental and social sort of initiatives. And there's been a lot of reporting and transparency around that. People, there's a demand side to that, that consumers want to see that, that the broader society wants to see that and companies do respond. And I think if, um, you know, leaders start to see the economic value that could be created here, investors start to see that as well. I I think that that's going to drive change more than, um, you know, any kind of political process. That's my Mm. perspective, at least. Dennis Campbell is a professor of business administration at Harvard Business School. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Campbell's original article on how to rethink blue-collar jobs in America, including companies that are doing just that, that's at our website. 
Also on our website, if you look over on the right-hand side, you will find a link to our new mugs, shirts, phone cases. You can check out all the different styles at innovationhub.org. <laughs>